Hi, everybody. Thanks again for joining another episode on the Selling From Why podcast. I'm your host, Andrew James, and on today's podcast, I want to spend some time helping the listeners understand what I mean when I talk about the internal infrastructure of human resources related to the small and mid-sized business owner. What exactly are businesses doing in order to manage the complexities of employment and HR within their business? How is it effective? How is it not effective? And what are some of those things that you need to know as a PEO sales professional as you approach your sale and your partnership as you become a solution for those businesses? Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Once again, I'm your host, Andrew James, and this is the Selling From Why podcast. In today's podcast, I want to really take a moment to examine the idea of internal employment infrastructure, or as we have decided to call it, human resources. In my last podcast, we took a look at, at least from a cursory examination of what the idea of in the internal employment model looked like that was such a struggle for the small and mid-sized business community. We looked at how it was started, what it looked like when it was kind of being built, and because of that we started to, to really understand why it was a burden to the business owner and why it got in the way of success. But a couple of people have reached out and asked questions after the last podcast and said, why is it so burdensome? How much is really involved in the building of an HR infrastructure for an organization? And I think it's a great question, especially for a newer PEO salesperson or someone who is just starting out in the industry of understanding human resource outsourcing. The, the idea that HR for companies truly is a, a hefty task, one that can't be approached in you know, small band-aid ways, is a little bit of a foreign idea, um, especially if this is someone who hasn't spent a lot of time in the industry or hasn't been a business owner in the past or hasn't worked alongside of one. So today's episode really is intended to dive into those concepts of what is it that the business owner is being forced to do. In the last episode, we took a look at the idea of the lost traveler and the unarmed warrior, the two approaches that most business owners will take, especially early on, to shore up their HR infrastructure to begin to tackle the necessities of HR or employment within their business. And we found that both of those two options were, for the most part, failing. In the case of the lost traveler, you have ideally tapped someone in the business that maybe has a lot of time on their hands or perceived time in their hands or maybe someone that the owner feels is somewhat close to the idea of HR and you've tasked them with a responsibility of doing a job that they're not really able to do. On the other hand, you might have the more savvy business owner or progressive HR business owner who says, I really need an HR person, goes out hires that HR person, but in doing so, eats up a lot of the necessary capital that that person would need in order to break in building in HR for the company and that they do not have the capacity to implement systems or technologies or solutions that can begin tackling HR. So both the lost traveler and the unarmed warrior, even though they are a step in the right direction, really are not enough in ways of dealing with the question of how do we begin to build HR. So in this episode, I want to examine what are all of those elements. And truthfully, we're not going to get to all of the elements, but we're certainly gonna to get to the beginning elements of human resources that a business owner is forced to tackle. What are the risks? 
associated with those elements? What is the process of those, those, those elements? And, and what potential loss of productivity can occur from the standard way that a business builds that infrastructure out? So to start there, I want to talk about exactly that point. What is, what is the beginning process of building HR look like? What's going on in the mind of a business owner? And as we discussed in the last episode, we clarified that for most of your small business community, the owner is probably someone who has a tremendous amount of understanding on the specific nature of their industry, their, their jobs, their company, you know, whether that be a machine shop, whether it be a law firm. This is someone who has a great deal of understanding in that specific area. What they do not understand is employment, and that's where the problems begin to come from. So what we see, especially early on with these companies as they begin that growing trajectory, is that they also begin to struggle under the employment model, under the weight of employment, and that in the input of HR infrastructure occurs out of necessity. Not planning, it's not strategic, it's necessary. So that might start with a payroll system. It may start with a time clock or, or a punch system. It could be any one of a number of ways that they begin to tackle the idea of HR, but for the most part, it starts out of necessity. So I really wanna take a few moments now and just really highlight what some of those specific HR topics are. It's important to note as we go through this that HR can truly be defined in one of two ways, reactive HR and proactive HR. When we discussed in our last podcast that Sherm defined that the HR tasks associated with most businesses, 70% of them are administrative, non-revenue generating tasks, I like to term those reactive human resource tasks. What I mean by reactive is these are tasks that are dedicated to reacting to the market, reacting to employment. They are there only so much as to continue to keep the, the, the vehicle in motion, to keep the business moving forward. They're not there to do what the true task of HR is, which is to drive productivity, to help highlight the idea that employees are profit centers and to maximize that idea of profitability from your people. That transition of reactive to proactive HR is what creates the idea that HR goes from being an overhead to a revenue generating aspect of the business. That's the idea that HR has a seat at the table, is able to help the decision processes for the business. That's really where we want to see HR go within most organizations. But unfortunately, for the small and mid-sized companies that the PEO salesperson will meet with, you are going to be tackling the idea that HR is reactive, HR is a cost, HR is an overhead, and those proactive emphasis on human resources is something that's left for the larger companies, the bigger Fortune 500 businesses out there. And while it's true that those large companies do in fact spend a great deal of time and money enforcing the idea of proactive HR, it is not just the large companies that can benefit from it. Realistically, small companies need to be spending their time and their energy on proactive HR just as much as the larger companies do, if not more so, but most of them don't. So let's start looking into the, the actual sections of, of human resources that are built for a small mid-sized business. Let's look at some of those individual elements that are created as they begin to start understanding and realizing the scope of HR. 
One of the first things that we often notice that a small and mid-sized business will begin to tackle is the idea of compliance. No matter how HR savvy or HR progressive a business owner is, they will very, very quickly notice that they need to remain compliant in their employee model. And this is a pretty obvious first step for most of your small business owners because it's already sort of built into the model of their business. They realize they need to pay taxes, suddenly they have payroll, payroll requires taxes too. And that segues itself into all of the other aspects of compliance that a business owner needs to begin adhering to. In a lot of cases, the obvious pieces will be things like harassment training, the equal employment opportunity, safety training. Um, they might begin to understand or, or research the agencies that are going to manage compliance for their organization like OSHA, the Department of Labor. But what they're quickly realizing is that there is a lot of compliance around employment. So they will begin to create or ask for the creation of programs that will help to mitigate and manage compliance. So the HR person may suddenly find themselves tasked with make sure that we have the correct I-9s, make sure that we are having our employees fill out the right tax forms during their onboarding, make sure that we have all of our employee documents in the right folders. There are countless areas of employment compliance that businesses are required to, to agree to, to deal with, and to manage on a day-to-day -day basis that, again, create a considerable amount of risk and time and energy for the business owners and the HR people to deal with. Another big area that a business owner will first begin to notice is important and begins growing in complexity very quickly is payroll. The payrolling of their employees suddenly starts to take on a very complex uh, approach as the business begins to get more and more employees. What might have at first been a company of three or four people where the business owner could simply write checks directly off of the off of the business bank account suddenly turns into the need to have a compliant payroll system. Whether this is QuickBooks, which they might go and buy online or they might go and buy a system or, or, or a computer program from a local store, or if it's an actual payrolling service like an ADP or a Paychex, they begin to realize the need for a payroll system. They might ask their HR person to, to step in and decide what payroll system they're going to use. They might make that determination for them and give them the payroll system and demand that they use it. But either way, the, the, the concerns that they're trying to, to manage or the, or the HR that they're trying to create comes down to paying taxes, making sure there's an accurate payroll, entering employee information, handling deductions, creating a time and attendance solution, PTO tracking, uh, accruals, commissions, there are so many different pieces of, of payroll that become factors for a business as it grows. And it's not just the initial entering of payroll, but it becomes the management of payroll. In other words, as you get more and more employees, who is managing the hours and the vacation? Who's inputting that information in there? What about loans? What about 401k? What about deductions for healthcare? Are we estimating the payroll with our workers' comp program? Suddenly that process becomes very, very complex and becomes very, very time consuming. Again, it represents a sizable amount of risk for the business as well as time and money that the company has to put into those programs in order to ensure that they are operating smoothly. Next, you have some area of risk and workers' compensation, as we just hinted on. You might have a business that requires a safety program. There might be 
workers' comp claims that are occurring. In other words, maybe an employee came to work and slipped and fell. Maybe they hurt themselves in a machine in the back. Maybe there was a car accident. Suddenly the business owner is realizing, I need to have a risk and safety program. How do I do that? Who do I go to? And if they're lucky, they may be able to go to, for instance, their HR person. They may be able to go to their workers' compensation carrier. They may be able to have a resource that's already present or already exists to say, I need support. I need a way to develop or create a safety program or a safety training program. I need a risk assessment. I need a pre-site walkthrough or a survey of my business. I need help defining OSHA reporting. There's a lot of questions that might come from that, that request. And if they're lucky, as I said, they might have those resources at their fingertips. But for most small businesses, they don't. Their workers' compensation carrier has has defined their business as slightly higher risk or, or they are a very risky company. But because of the size of their business, the workers' compensation insurer isn't that invested in helping them with their business risk program. They're more interested in ensuring that they are getting their workers' compensation payment. At the same time, even the best of HR people is going to have to take a lot of time to create a safety program if they're able to do so at all. Safety programs occur more on the outside edges of what we would consider to be an HR program. And as such, a lot of your HR professionals are ill-equipped to deal with the creation of a safety program. At the same time, there's more than just the safety program. It's the concern over the rising comp claims that may be occurring, the risk of OSHA showing up to their business. There is post-accident investigations should there be a workers' comp incident. There is a return to work policy that needs to occur. There's end of year audits, there's workers' comp exposure estimates and payroll estimates at the beginning of the year. All of a sudden, the entirety of the workers' comp program, especially for a small business in a high-risk industry, begins to get expensive and it begins to get risky. And those are things that the business owner suddenly finds themselves tackling that they probably were not even aware was going to become an issue early on when they first formed their business. One of the next things that occur, even though this might occur much earlier than these other elements we've talked about, is the concept of hiring and firing, recruitment and selection. This, especially as the business becomes larger and larger and investments in human and human capital become not only more of a necessity, but also the need for those investments to pay off quickly becomes more of a necessity. The processes of hiring and recruiting and firing employees and the compliant requirements that come along with that become very, very, very needed. And what we often find is that the employer will, again, task their HR person with the idea of building an onboarding program, finding recruitment agencies, finding a talent agency, a headhunter, maybe it's a temporary employee leasing program. They will be tasked with the idea of bringing the employee on board, of reviewing the resumes of the employees, of putting them through skill gaps, pre-hire tests, drug screens, background investigations. Suddenly you also have to have managers interviewing, which means that you need to do manager training on interviewing programs. At the same time, the person that is now in charge of your HR is needed to do I-9s, tax documents that they need to fill out. They'll need to fill out emergency contact forms. They will be required to onboard that employee in full, and that becomes a very, very time-consuming commitment for the employee. That's also a big issue when it comes to the compliance of terminating the employee. 
you have to deal with the state unemployment potential charges that might come from that or the state unemployment filings. You may deal with a wrongful termination. Nonetheless, you still have to terminate an employee and there's a lot of documentation that goes along with that that now your HR person has to be familiar with. So suddenly that becomes a process. You're beginning to get this picture that when we say building an HR infrastructure, it's not simply pressing a button that sends your payroll to, to the IRS or, or prints your checks. The process of HR becomes very much a commitment to the organization, and we're not done yet. We're not even close to done. You also have to factor in the idea of benefits and healthcare. If the company decides to begin offering that in an attempt to be competitive in their marketplace, you have to look at what happens during that initial onboarding? Who's doing the employee education? Who's answering the healthcare questions on a day-to-day -day basis? What doctor can I use? How many? How much of my benefits have I used? What's my deductible look like? What benefit plan should I choose as an employee? You also have to tackle the idea that when you bring on a new employee, you may have a waiting period, which means that when I bring that person on, I have to remember in 30 days, I have to put them onto the healthcare program. Or if I let someone go, I have to remember that I have to remove them from the healthcare program. More times than I can count in my investigation to work with the small and mid-sized businesses that I've spent time with, I find names on healthcare invoices of people who were long ago terminated, but no one ever stopped to, to think to remove them from their healthcare program, which means that for the last three, four, five months, this company has been paying for the healthcare costs of an individual that no longer works for them. These are all huge areas of opportunity and cost for the business. And that's just for the healthcare. What about for HSAs, FSAs, dependent care coverage? Who's going to manage the complexities of compliance within the healthcare related to ACA, a 9.5% rule, the look back calculator, the ACA reporting, the minimum enrollment requirements, the minimum contribution coverage requirements, these are all requirements that all of a sudden your small business owner is being forced to deal with. And the question is, can they do it? The answer is, generally speaking, no, they can't. In most cases, they are piecemealing this HR infrastructure together with a hodgepodge of technologies, solutions, vendors, and internal people within their company, whether it be a CFO, accounts payable, uh, accountant clerk, or even a front desk receptionist, all of these people are taking a role of HR within the company and they're all being tasked with these different aspects of what HR needs to look like. What you end up with is an amalgamation, this, this very ugly stitched together concept of human resources within a company that does very little to not only tackle the risks and concerns of HR, does very little to combat the cost of HR, and absolutely without question does very little to improve the productivity of the employee population. Once you have all of those pieces put together, and believe me, there are, are countless more aspects of HR that we haven't even begun to touch on just in, in this quick story, but once you've gotten those pieces put together, now you can begin to potentially focus on the idea of proactive human resources. And when we talk about proactive human resources, which will be a subject for a later podcast when we really begin to dive into the ideas of employee engagement and human capital management, but proactive HR really has a different look and feel to it. 
proactive HR is less about shoring up the company from risk and, and containing cost and becomes the idea of maximizing earnings through people. Again, that idea of employees as a profit center, maximizing the profitability of your employees. And you find that in, in countless ways, but it comes in employee development and training. It comes in recruitment and selection, awards and recognition. It comes in the factoring of the differentiation between generations, whether it's a baby boomer or this is a generation X or a millennial. It also comes in the idea of the employer review process, career planning, leadership development. All of a sudden you have to start diving into countless different areas of your business, what you're doing for your employees in order to maximize the potential value of the employees. And it, and it raises an interesting question for a lot of the small business people out there who say, why do I need to do it? What happens if I just don't worry about doing that? It's a great question. The answer is pretty important. If you aren't doing it, your competitor is. For most of the companies out there, as we said initially, unless you are Netflix, unless you are Snapchat, unless you are some company with a proprietary process or solution that absolutely no one else is doing or cannot be touched or cannot be duplicated, the difference between you and your competition is your people. But the truth is, is your competition isn't just the people or the businesses doing the things you're doing. Your competition is anybody who wants talented individuals. And in that way, the marketplace is very, very competitive. Just because you are a sales company, a smaller sales organization that says, why do I need to be competitive? I don't have anybody who does what I do within 100 miles of me. And that might be true. But you as a business owner now have salespeople. And salespeople can work for sales organizations. And unless you are the only sales organization in 100 miles, chances are there are other companies looking for the same talent as you. And if you are not engaging in proactive human resources, progressive human resources techniques that seek to engage and build an infrastructure of a great place to work for your people, then you are going to lose the opportunity not only to attract your good people, but you're going to lose the ability to retain your good people. And one of the most powerful things I, I ever found in working with companies who are, who are dealing with this question exactly was a business owner who told me, I hire great people, I train great people, and then those great people go and work for my competitors. I am basically training my competition. I am helping my competition become more successful because of their inability to implement resources that their employees found of value because of the cost of it and the risks and the time that it would take. They were essentially training their own competition. And that was something that they had to stop. And I think that that does a great job of at least highlighting at a very, very high level what some of those, those beginning HR programs and infrastructures look like for your small, mid-sized business. And again, I know we haven't gone into all of the details and we haven't explained the exact nuances of each and every one of them. But to be able to understand that there is a huge list and it grows daily, it grows as the business grows, that a business owner and an HR person need to be competent to, they need to be aware of, and they need to have programs in place that get in front of all of those aspects of human resources. It is just an incredibly daunting task and it is one that takes up a great deal of time and energy, especially for a business. And when every penny counts and when every minute counts for those companies, 
this is a process that takes them away from their ability to make money. Thanks.